we're not going to have bumper music today because Barack has to talk about important things. So, <laughs> talk, right. Barack. Uh, I was reaching for the bumper music, but I guess we're not going to have it today. <laughs> yeah, here you are. You can you can play your bumper. Music. It'll be it'll be uh, bumper music that's played sometime in the middle of the show. How about okay. that? Sure. So for now, no. Yeah. Look, uh, today and uh, the day before, we had various Supreme Court decisions coming down on very important issues. Among them, uh, the Civil Rights Act of 1965, and a major change in the understanding of affirmative action as well. Both of those cases, I feel, uh, were correctly decided in the sense that they are dealing with uh, issues uh, that deserve what we call strict scrutiny. I think we talked about this before, Ari, uh, where there's different standards uh, applied when you're talking about constitutional issues. So, for example, if you're trying to make a law that is, uh, differentiates uh, based upon people's uh, skin color, we want to look at that with a very heightened sense of scrutiny. In fact, not even, heightened is not the right word because it's, that's a different standard. But with a very strict scrutiny to look at it with what I call two eyebrows. <laughs> like this is why well, you, you want to, I mean, if you were to make a law, for example, that said uh, that all white people get to, you know, pay less in taxes than all black people just because they're black have to pay twice as much. Uh, you know, your eyebrows would raise. That's a two eyebrow raising situation, right? Uh, in, in order for that to pass muster with the Constitution, you would have to, that, that would be strictly construed to see exactly what the compelling state interest would be to do that. And once you demand that kind of uh, scrutiny, it basically, as a standard of review, it basically dictates the result, right? So people who, want, who would want uh, the law to be passed in that, that example that I just gave, they would want them to say, well, all we need is a rational basis, Your Honor. And, uh, and the ones who are opposing it want it to be strict scrutiny. And because that generally dictates the result, as we say. Uh, in between the three standards that I'm about to say is something called heightened scrutiny. Heightened scrutiny is applied basically where there is a difference between where there's a law that's passed uh, that affects women and men, gender disputes. Uh, it, it, I think it has been applied in other circumstances. I just can't recall them right now. Uh, but generally speaking, heightened scrutiny is uh, like we'll make a law, and there is some significant state interest. It doesn't have to be compelling. It just has to be reasonably significant, I think, is the standard. And, for example, we have uh, a law that women cannot go around topless on the beach or wherever for that matter, as much as we, why may. not? Yeah. Why not? Right. Exactly. Right. Well, in some, some cases you don't want that to happen, right? <laughs> Car accidents. That's right. But we just don't, we just, I mean, yeah, putting that aside, um, it, it's just that there are all sorts of societal reasons. We don't want that, uh, breasts on a woman are, are very different uh, than breasts on a man. And that's, you get the idea. Or, or we don't need to get into that. I'm just saying. Or there's, there's laws that, that that to tell a woman, a woman, a man can not go in a woman's bathroom, for example. Yeah, I was going to mention that because there's a an area where there's a clear differentiation between this kind of people and that kind of people. Right. Thus, there can be a reasonable reason one can argue that men shouldn't be using women's bathrooms at sporting events right. or something. Like or that. any or any time. Yeah. So the, the the law basically said where's the men's room and 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 where's the women's room. And by and large, women appreciate having their own restroom and men and appreciate having their own restroom and their safety issues and all sorts of stuff like that. Well, likewise, we have different prisons, right? We have women's prisons and men's prisons. And if you're a woman, you're not going to go to men's prison and vice versa. 
So that's the way it is. Uh, as much as it might be a dream of a man to go to a, a woman's prison. That can be very <laughs> dangerous, actually. <laughs> yes, it could be. Uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, the, the point is that there, is, there are reasons why we want to separate that. Now, the rational basis standard is a standard that is applied. And this is what we're going to be talking about now. Where you, um, th there's a law and it seems to uh, discriminate between groups of people, but not necessarily skin color or gender. And generally speaking, the standard that is applied is what we call rational basis. Is there any rational basis for this law, right? Um, we, let's say a law that says that uh, only people over 18 can vote, okay? That's, that's nothing to do with race. It's nothing to do with women or men. Just there it is. So you, the difference is those who are younger than 18 and those who are older than 18. It used to be 21. Or alcohol, 21, right? 21 is the age for most states. Okay. So uh, you're discriminating against all those people who are younger than 21, right? Even though they might be an adult over 18. So um, all you need is a rational basis in that circumstance. You simply need to say, look, you know, uh, giving alcohol to somebody who's 20 or 19, they're not going to act as, they're, they're less likely to act responsibly with alcohol than somebody who's older than 21. Okay. That's a rational basis. Whether it's true or not, you know, we can argue that, but it's not going to be uh, overturned by the Supreme Court when it reviews that. Is that clear, those three standards? Yeah. So that's interesting, right? And so that's, rational basis heightened scrutiny, strict scrutiny. Right. And so if, if you apply a strict scrutiny standard to a law and the justices say the standard of review of this case is strict scrutiny, you know what the result is going to be, <laughs> okay? Well, guess what? They did that with the affirmative action case. They said that where you are discriminating on the grounds of race, the standard of review is strict scrutiny. And they sent it back in the, uh, that one woman's case. Uh, who back claimed, to the Texas court. Back to the Texas courts and said you, you should apply a strict scrutiny standard. Before ruling. Right. Before and ruling. Then and you they, can do that. The, the Supreme Court can do that. And, uh, and, and they could have also just taken the case itself. But I, th I thought it actually did a smart decision by saying all cases uh, involving affirmative action are now to be judged on a strict scrutiny basis without saying all affirmative action is unconstitutional. Right. In that way, no matter what the outcome is in the Texas court, it could be brought back to the Supreme Court later after that court has ruled with the new standard. And, and it will. And they will have to say that the, the, the university that wants this affirmative action will have to say this is so compelling that there's no other way that we can properly achieve what we want to achieve here, yeah. which is whatever, uh, diversity, yeah, racial uh, harmony, wh diversity, whatever. whatever. Yeah. But that's, that's, that in, that, that's kind of a circular reasoning, but nevertheless, that's what they ever have to do. Um, so it's actually a huge victory, uh, for those who are against affirmative action, who, who, uh, you know, and those in my opinion, who are against racism because it is racism. As John Wright Roberts famously said, the way to end racism on the, uh, on the, grounds of, of skin color is to end racism on the grounds of skin color. <laughs> yeah. Right? So um, that's one thing. Uh, likewise, they did something similar with regards to the Civil Rights Act in 1965. And this is the voting rights provision. The voting rights that, provision. Right? And they basically said, look, things have changed. Uh, it's not 1965 anymore. It's the year 2013. Thank you very much. Uh, it is hard to say that there are Jim Crow laws being applied here. With 
equal effectiveness. With equal effectiveness. Even if you want to make the argument there are general Right, well, and, and putting aside... They're the not working as well. Right, and, and asking the, the federal government pretty please, can I, can I have this? That's what this is all about. It's about states' rights, right? Yeah. Um, it, it was so compelling in the old days, in the, in, 19, in the early 60s and before, uh, as to what they were doing in terms of depriving blacks their rights to vote, that uh, it was considered a requirement that those states, anytime they wanted to change some sort of structure in the voting behavior, that they would have to then ask permission from the government, the federal government. And, uh, and that was one of the mandates of that, of that act. It is now saying, you know, that, that they can do their own thing. Uh, this is really an antiquated. It's not the same thing, and you cannot show compelling evidence, um, uh, United States government or, uh, or anybody who wants to employ a different standard. You cannot show compelling evidence that uh, blacks are being treated more unfairly in the South than they are in the North. In fact, you know, you can actually show the reverse. You can show that there far more blacks are, are represented in the South than they ever have been. Um, now, whether that's because of the success of the, the Voting Rights Act or because the times have changed or because it was never a really big issue in the first place, we can argue that till the cows, comes home, cows come home. But the facts on the ground today are that um, you're not experiencing Jim Crow laws. It's ridiculous. I mean, if, if, everyone, if anyone, even one black, were turned away for, for whatever reason from the voting booth, whether in Alabama or in New York City, uh, you can bet. CNN would be all over it. New York Times would be all over it. They would have their their, their story du jour, right? And this was brought, I believe, in in regard to changes in in voting procedures for uh, voter ID being required to be shown at polling places, which is a reasonable thing that in our modern era can't right. be made. You can make the argument that's needed at some places. Yeah, to avoid. So it wasn't a, it wasn't like voter election officials were trying to put up uh, some unreasonable barrier to access of voting. Right. If if they could show, for example, that uh, they had a sign saying, "If you're if you're uh, African American, you need to show an ID. If you're white, no need." Okay. Well, then then you have a, an issue on your hands. If if on the other hand you're saying I just need voter ID because I need voter ID to make sure you are who you are. Yeah. It's like the and, and, and liquor store down the street. And then the response to that has been, at least what I've heard, is that, uh, well, it's it's more difficult for the black community to show ID for whatever reason. I don't get that. Um, that, that I think that's nonsensical. Um, I think it's very easy to obtain an ID and doesn't even ask for, it's not even a driver's license. It's, it could be anything to show that you are who you are. So anyway, I, I think that dog doesn't hunt anymore. Uh, and that's the reason why that law... Uh, came down the way it did. I, I mean, that ruling came down the way it did. I think it was a good ruling. Um, those are the two major is issues when it comes to equal protection, sorry, to uh, the Voting Rights Act and also affirmative action. Great. Now we have uh, two other things that came down, and these are interesting. I, I've read up a little bit on these rulings already. The first one, of course, regarding DOMA, the, the Defense of Marriage Act. That act Federal legislation basically said in 1996, signed into law and encouraged by one Bill Clinton. Uh, husband of one Hillary Rodham. That's right. Uh, said, and I, he'll argue that the reason why he did is because he was forced into it and it was. Yeah, time. Bill Clinton, I mean, um, uh, Newt Gingrich took him in a back room, That's pointed right. an assault rifle at his head, demanded he. 
Yeah, Defensive Marriage Act. <laughs> yeah. Uh, While sexually assaulting him. Right. He, well, know. of course, I never mind that Obama himself also supported the Defensive Marriage Act until he was against it. But, but we digress. The, the, the Defensive Marriage Act, or DOMA as they call it, has now been struck down as unconstitutional. And uh, many people who are uh, for gay marriage or for same-sex marriage are, are thrilled with this. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know where I stand on this from a procedural point of view. I think that the federal government, um, I, I don't quite understand the reasoning behind the ruling, I have to tell you, uh, because it doesn't quite make sense. Uh, the, the federal uh, legislation simply said we will defend marriage in its traditional form and that the, the, you know, the United States government should defend marriage in its traditional form. Okay, so you got that. What's unconstitutional about that? That's not clear. Well, can I tell you what I just read? Because I read yeah, an interesting please. thing. This might be the latest news on it. They didn't strike down the Defensive Marriage Act. They just struck right. down what they just what some are provision. calling a key provision that has to do with receiving federal benefits. Right. So the financial benefits part was right. struck down in the in a case that had to do with an estate tax that was applied supposedly now based on this ruling unconstitutionally. Because if the person was considered a spouse, they would not have had to pay the same tax rate on the inheritance of an estate. Right. But apparently, some are have written up to date. You you would know better than me as this goes on the next couple of days right. and these decisions flesh out a little bit more. Uh, it seems that the rest of the act uh, defending traditional marriage in a state in which same sex marriage is not legal. Uh, from a state that has same-sex marriage laws, if a couple marries in one state, crosses state lines, and tries to uh, have the married status in another state, it only applies to federal government financial regulations, nothing else. Right. Hence, if anything, it's only a Pyrrhic victory for the uh, de defense of marriage opponents and the right. gay activist community. Right. Now... Uh, and I agree. And there's an equal protection argument I think they made in that regard. And I, I, I agree it's it's not a significant victory. Even less significant is what appears to be a significant victory at first blush is the Proposition 8 issue. What happened there? Well, the Supreme Court decided that it's not going to really even consider the Proposition, proposition 8 constitutionality uh, one way or the other. Why? Because uh, they determined that the underlying couple um, did not have standing to bring this. Now, the standing issues, it's always interesting because um, different parties have standing. It means that you, you're actually hurt by a certain law. So if you are, let's say, uh, let's say you, you, you're, you're fighting against uh, increases in real property and you say that that's a violation of law for whatever reason and they're going beyond the state, state uh, maximum or whatever it is, and, and you're not a property owner. You simply you want to fight on behalf of all property owners. Well, you don't have standing. You need to find somebody who's actually affected by this. Uh, and that's what standing is all about. Now, what their logic was behind standing is another issue. I'm not too clear on that. But I do know that they sent it back, not to the appellate court, the Ninth Circuit. They sent it instead back to the original district court judge in San Francisco, the one who struck down it. Now, here's what's really interesting. The law provides 
that a proposition can only be overturned, not by a judge, but by an appellate circuit decision uh, or appellate court, for that matter, affirming the lower courts striking down that law. So by basically vitiating the Ninth Circuit and going down back to the circuit judge, the, the San Francisco judge, you're basically saying that Proposition 8 still stands. I see you're nodding your head. Yeah. That's, that's what you understood. I just read yeah. a piece by uh, Ken Kulkowski on the Breitbart site. I just right. written that, which is hilarious because there's all these celebrations happening in different parts of the state today. Right. And they don't understand. The only thing, if anything, in their favor that was decided is that the people going into court to defend Prop 8 on behalf of the voters who voted for it right. did not have standing because only the state's attorney general uh, team right. could have gone in, and they're refusing to. But it wasn't, like you said, sent back to the Ninth Circuit. It was sent back to the original trial judge. That's right. So, yeah. so again, it, it appears to just be a pyrrhic victory for these highly charged political forces. And for instance, on the news, they're announcing that uh, same-sex marriages in California will be able to resume within 25 days or something like that. Right. But they're not mentioning the substance of what you just said. Right. Yeah, uh, it, it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. It's it's like the, uh, I don't know, it's, it's kind of like when somebody thinks that they won the lotto. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Your ticket had to be redeemed a day ago. Right, exactly. <laughs> this yeah, is or that's not a nine, that's a six. That's a six, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's really right. funny. <laughs> Whoops, it's like a scene for the Simpsons. No! <laughs> so after the hangover... Yeah, after the, the, the orange, you'll, you'll see the reality. You mean I shouldn't have maxed out all my credit cards yesterday? <laughs> no, you shouldn't have. <laughs> uh, or, or like I said, speaking of The Simpsons, where uh, there's an episode, they were, they were spoofing or parodying the movie The Inception, where they're constantly wondering, the guy, you know, in order to understand where he is in reality, he, he does that little top. And yeah. if it tips over, then he knows he's in the real world. And if it doesn't tip over, then he knows he's in a dream state. Yeah. Okay. How long do you wait? <laughs> right. Yeah. You but, he gets a while. A, but you can see the wilding and all that stuff. And, yeah. and it ends famously in, in you know, kind of it's still, it's still spinning, and you don't know whether or not he's the real world or not. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So, and in the Simpsons, they, they decide that they're in one of the dream states, and they go woohoo, and they they spin it, and it seems to be okay, and they just they don't wait long enough, and they think it's they're in a dream world. Okay, we can go naked bicycling and everything like that. And so they do all these crazy things. And then you see, that, you know, while they're doing on the screen, thing, the top is eventually falling. And that, in fact, it was the real world for them. And then, of course, they, uh, all sorts of funny things start happening. They crash and they're, they're naked and they're getting arrested. And it's very, very funny. Uh, and maybe that's what it's going to be like for, for, for the, those proponents for same-sex marriage. They think they had this great result and they're euphoric and they're happy and they're dancing in the streets so to speak and only to find out uh, the next day like it's not quite what we thought it was um isn't that the kind of thing though that has the potential to lead to rioting you know when you have people so emotional and so highly charged then the panic of word spreads wait a minute we really didn't win right huh? right <laughs> yeah it, it you know the best that they can have is to simply say I mean, look, even if they had, let's say, let's say the, the, the court took up Proposition 8 and said, 
Uh, no, guys, it's not unconstitutional. It meets the rational basis standard, which it, which really, and, and, and to the judge's credit, by the way, the original judge's credit, he recognized that the standard was rational basis. He did not say it was strict scrutiny or heightened scrutiny. He said it was rational basis. And then he determined that there's no rational basis for marriage being man-woman. I mean, right, but if any judge never mind the thousands of years behind it, yeah. there was no rational basis. Right, but if any this judge man above finds a rational basis, not strict scrutiny, as you're saying, just right. rational basis, that's a pretty easy it goes poof. overturn. Yeah. Right. And all you need to do is look at the legislative intent or, for that matter, uh, the proposition's intent and, and what the people are finding and, and everything else, that, that marriage is important and it has to be between man and woman. Good enough. Whether they're right or not is not the issue. What is, what is the issue is whether it's a rational basis. So here is, uh, you know, let, let's say that the, the Supreme Court said it is, it is constitutional, there is a rational basis behind it, and therefore Proposition 8 stands. Well, you know, people would be upset about it, I suppose, but then they would do whatever they could to have another proposition or maybe ask the legislature to please invalidate Proposition 8 one way or the other to say that uh, notwithstanding Proposition 8, we hereby... Amend the Constitution as follows. Yeah, re-amend. Because re Proposition 8 was just a re-amend, oh, an amendment to the Constitution. Yeah, I, you know what? I stand corrected. You cannot have an amendment but by way of proposition. Well, at the, at the um, uh, federal level, but this was a state constitution level. I'm talking about the, state constitution. Really? Yeah. I, th I think the only way to amend the, con the Constitution is by way of proposition. Yeah. Because otherwise, you, you know, you can have a... You can have, you have a, 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 you know, Democrats doing whatever they want. Yeah, they can say we, we hereby years. amend the Constitution to uh, give everyone a right to a Prius. Right. You know, we I, amend the Constitution <laughs> to have every Republican in the state arrested. Exactly. And deported. It's constitutional. <laughs> right. It's constitutional. So <laughs> it says so right here. You know, and if so, if you're going to do that, you've got to make sure all the people of California have have their say. So very interesting uh, days in the in the um, in the uh, Supreme Court. Uh, four, at least four, very interesting cases. Can I ask another real quick question? Yeah, of course. Uh, isn't there an issue of lawlessness or anarchy here in this regard? Mm. This proposition, and this has happened before with conservative propositions passing California, like 187. Right. But Prop 8 passes. Mm -hmm. Conservatives like it. Liberals don't. The liberal government, which is obligated to defend this in court, decides not to. Isn't that lawlessness to begin with? I mean, because you or I, if we choose not to follow laws based on our own capricious decisions, we get arrested. We want, right. Yeah. Or worse, or convicted. Fined. Yeah. Or worse, deported. Right. right? Uh, you know, how is it that they can get away with saying, well, we're not going to defend this in court? They're obligated to. Oh, of course. I'll give you some examples. Let's say um, you and I decided we didn't feel we should pay the crazy uh, equipment tax for. Um, uh, for my for my business or your business, you know you have to pay equipment tax. You know for this computer that you have right there, you, you're obligated to pay an equipment tax. Shh, okay, I won't tell anybody. <laughs> but it's an absurd thing. Or yeah. payroll tax. I've never understood payroll tax. If it left me, I won't. Yeah, isn't your payroll tax the salaries you pay to people? Yeah, That's well, kind of well, payroll tax is something I'm paying right to the government to the government right. for the for the right and privilege, I suppose, of employing of people. paying people money, and they in turn, of course, are paying their own taxes on the income that they're earning that you paid them. So what they say is, I guess you know, as they say, they, they get you coming and going. But so I don't let's I don't feel like it. I refuse to do it. Well, they shut they, your business down. That's all. Business down. Yeah. 
But the court system, oh, they'll they'll shut you down nice and good. And even a conservative judge will, will shut you down. Of course. He, he'll he'll say, I don't like it either, but that's what the law is, uh, Mr. Lurie. And uh, I'm sorry, you got to pay it. And if you don't pay it, you, you go to jail. But and, and maybe we're getting into like slightly broader matters of media bias and whatever. But if a conservative decided not to follow the law, the media would be on them holding them accountable. Sure. You know, so there's oh, some yeah, he, of that. He'd be, he'd be the wacky... Um, you know, uh, a tax dodger. You know, who doesn't believe in tax, uh, paying taxes and such. But when when a liberal uh, wants Romney. to, yeah, <laughs> when, when when a liberal wants to avoid uh, laws that they find offensive, they're suddenly heroes. They're progressive. They're trailblazers. You, you, whatever mavericks. Wonderful, yeah, mavericks. Yeah. Whatever great adjective you want to ascribe to, to them, that's what they are. And um, you know, look, and, and I'm not even talking here in terms of. Um, in, in terms of being pro or against the, the same-sex marriage, what we're talking about today is procedure. It's just interesting to see what the results of the cases are um, and what uh, what to expect as the consequences of them. Um, and whether you like it or not, it has nothing to do with it. And whether I like it or not yeah. has nothing to do with it. I'm simply saying, and you're simply saying, Proposition 8 still is on the books. And it's not been invalidated by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it does not give superior power to the circuit court judge who uh, initially reversed Proposition 8, uh, you know, by one man. Um, so that it's just interesting. That's all. Yeah, and the other thing is, could the uh, Supreme Court have ordered the state of California to defend the law? No. Because they don't have standing to no, do it, that. It, but the, what the Supreme Court's major role is to decide whether laws are constitutional or unconstitutional and whether the procedures br to bring the law before them right. worked or not and that's it that that's that's correct so essentially that's in correct. the biggest picture of all all they did on prop 8 they didn't affirm it they didn't deny it they essentially res reset the the chamber uh, you know of the gun to make a gun analogy right. and just said when the bullet reaches us in the future we'll decide then if the procedures are right then but we've we've basically opened up the path for that to happen all over again. That's right. That's all it is. And uh, the, the only time that, you know, other than that, by the way, that the Supreme Court does anything beyond that is actually what they're not supposed to be doing. We call Legislating it, from the bench. It's, it's called legislating yeah. from the bench. And uh, previously known as Lochnerizing. And the reason why is a case called Lochner. I think it was New York versus Lochner. And uh, the Supreme Court in that decision decided to just impose, impose all sorts of regulations as to what is reasonable um, in terms of hours, of, of baker's hours and such. And they made all these crazy rules that was basically regulation. Like a baker's dozen being 13, not 12? <laughs> Something like that. So, I mean, that, 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 it w that was truly legislating from the bench. And, um, and we call that Lochnerizing. Another good example of, of uh, legislating from the bench or Lochnerizing is Roe v. Wade. Yes. Right? This, they, they, they should have decided whether or not uh, restricting abortion was a violation of the Constitution. And it was not. It is not. But they didn't They don't have to like, like it. Yeah. They don't have to like it. But they, they, they carved out as uh, this privacy, what they call penumbra, and uh, suddenly found a way through the back door to say that this is uh, a violation of the Constitution. Yeah. But they did more than legislate from the bench. They did a, essentially a constitutional amendment for the bench on that one. Yeah. No, that, if they had just legislation from the bench, then they would have made it open for other legislatures to re-legislate. That's all they this had to was, do. 
this would now require constitutional amendments to overturn and that higher scrutiny or, or uh, That's you all know. they had to do. What, what, yeah. what, what they could have done is simply said, uh, this is not unconstitutional. Uh, however, if you find this to be so important for a woman's rights to choose, then go ahead and enact uh, enact a Congress. It doesn't have to. I mean, it was crazy. It's a it's it's a pure uh, punt by the by the Congress and the Senate. They don't want to be uh, asserting a rule on this uh, because it's a very toxic issue, abortion, right? So this way, they just say, you know, you know, I think the Supreme Court uh, did it correctly or not. But if you have to actually vote on an abortion bill saying you cannot have an abortion after a certain number of weeks or whatever it is, or abortion is, is not allowed at all, oh boy, watch out, constituents. Did you hear what happened in Texas the last couple of days on that? Tell me. Oh, I, this, think, I think I remember a little it, bit. It, well, the, the, the story is pretty cool, but then the technicalities are just bizarre. So Texas, based on cases like Gosnell and others... Uh, decided that abortions should not be legal after 20 weeks and abortions should not be allowed to happen in clinics that are not surgical centers. And any doctor performing one of these abortions, which is a surgical procedure, needs to have uh, an admittance credential at a local hospital. Meaning he can admit a patient who has, you know, in this case, to literally to protect the woman Right. If she's starting to hemorrhage sure. or something, to get her into the hospital. So It's an anti-Gosnell right. bill. Essentially an anti-Gosnell bill. And and in Houston, Texas, there's a doctor that come, uh, I believe he's going to be going to trial soon, who is caught doing something much worse than Gosnell, which isn't... Hard to imagine. A, yes, worse, where he was yeah. taking his bare hands and literally... Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. It's so, terrible. Yeah. Well, let's, let's stop it different, different subject uh, yeah. or different podcast someday. Hopefully not, but trust me, it was worse than Gosnell. So there was a public outcry that something like this needs to happen to regulate these places. So the Texas legislature is a part-time legislature, and it works the way all legislatures do, upper house, lower house, you know, a, an assembly and a Senate, and a, a governor. Right. And the law has passed both brand, both halves of the House and, and Senate of the legislature and then be signed by the government. But Texas has a part-time legislature. Right. So when they meet, there's a clock that says all business has to be done by this moment. Right. You know, and then you all go home. So a Demo liberal Democrat Texas senator filibusters for like 12 hours leading into the time of the deadline. Right. Her filibuster was not constitutional based on Texas law, so the Republicans opposing her finally get her filibuster overruled because she wasn't staying on topic. She attempted to either sit down or lean down or something. You know, she wasn't fulfilling the rules of the filibuster that she was enacting. Anyway, so she finishes her filibuster, and there's a certain amount of time left for the Senate to finish passing this law in their branch of government before sending it to the governor. And at that moment pro-abortion protesters storm the Senate and keep the vote from happening. The way the, the difference between a House and a Senate is houses or state assemblies or national assemblies right. vote using computers. Senates are all based on voice votes. Right. So if you make enough noise, you can't do a voice vote. So these people essentially shouted down a voice vote. And, and the funny thing is liberals like on Twitter are screaming about how these protesters uh, protected demo democratic rights. Well, this right? is what they did in, in the whole uh, the Walker business when um, yeah, remember in Wisconsin. They, 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 they took over the, the, the house there as well and they, 
They, they think that they're doing God's work. Yeah. Even though same, they don't believe in God. Same kind of thing. But in, in the case of Wisconsin, you don't have a part-time uh, government you, right. you do in Texas. So anyway, they started the vote before the midnight deadline on the date yesterday or the day before, whenever this deadline was. And supposedly they got it passed. But the left is arguing on technicalities they didn't. Um, long story short, the, the, it's ambiguous whether the bill legally passed the Senate at this point. Right. Rick Perry, the governor, is calling the Senate back for a special session, which he is legally allowed to do. So it will pass. But it's interesting how the people who are all pro-choice are trying to prevent the choice of the Texas people to elect who they want from doing the business within the state house from getting done by using essentially mob tactics to destroy the procedures of the you know legal course of, of civilized government. Right. And some people call it irony. Yeah. Look, I, I'm with you. I, I, I understand all this. Um, it's just it's very frustrating. Um, you know, whether you're a liberal or conservative, we should all agree on one thing. And that is process. Process is very important. Um, sometimes, sometimes you want to fight. The, 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 the law itself is something that you want to fight. Example, obvious examples, Rosa Parks with the, um, uh, the, the, her obligation or the law that said that, that blacks had to sit in the back of the bus. So she refused. Or give their seat up to a white person. Whatever. Another Whatever. You get yeah, the some horrible law like that. Yeah. Okay. So... She, however, was not uh, violating the pro uh, legal process. She was, she was protesting and fighting the very law itself as discriminatory, as wrong, and so on. And God bless, the sh God bless her for doing so. Uh, other people, what they do instead is, you know, th those people who hollered in the Texas chambers, like you just said, and for that matter, Wisconsin, what they did, they're not protesting the existence of the Wisconsin um, legislature or the Texas legislature. They're using it as a as a weapon to uh, prevent things from getting done. I'll never forget, um, or to just draw attention to themselves. When I was in Stanford uh, the summer, there was an anti-apartheid movement. That was a big thing. They were fighting apartheid, and what did they do to protest? They simply trespassed on the bursar's office and just refused to leave. And uh, they got arrested, and then they expected not to to do any time. You know, and, and I just like you know what? If you're going to do that, you got to you got to get ready. If you want you want attention, then get yourself arrested, and then uh, you know maybe you'll you'll suffer the consequences. Yeah. But don't don't say that somehow what you did was right uh, or leg legitimized. You were trespassing, plain and simple. You weren't you weren't protesting the the law of trespass, right? You, you're not saying that you had the right to be there. You knew that you were trespassing, and, and you understand that people have the right to kick you out. Yeah, you engage in civil disobedience. That, dis that disobedience has a penalty. Right. Accept it. Right. You know, Nelson Bandela certainly accepted the penalty for 30 years yeah, but or he was, whatever but it was. He was violating, I mean, he was violating the very law that he was protesting. Right. That's the difference. And just like Rosa Parks, violating the very law that she was protesting. Yeah, but they were both Parks they, and Mandela were willing to do the time yeah. for their... Yeah, that's right. To their credit. Yes. And these guys are not only not... Violating the law that they're protesting, right? Uh, they're they're just abusing process, but they're also not willing to do the time for it, which is I mean it, it was struck me as so amazing to me. And later on, um, I, I was you know I was going to be uh, on the jury pool, and uh, as a prospective juror, and uh, you know I eventually 
had to excuse myself because I told the judge there was no way I'd, I'd be able to render a guilty verdict against my fellow Stanford students. And the judge said, okay, you're excused, Mr. Lurie, and I was done. All right. So then I, I had a job at, uh, at Stanford, and two of the guys, two of the nine defendants who were there, they were out in bail. Um, they came by the store, and they saw me, and I, and I said, oh, I was at your trial, and I, I was the one who was excused eh? because I'm a fellow Stanford student. And then they said, dude, you could have stayed with us, and you could have really helped us there. And I said, but I, but I was biased in your favor. You heard me when I said it. It's okay. You didn't have to say that. You could have just, you know, helped us. And I said, well, okay, so you would, you would, uh, <laughs> you would thwart <laughs> justice to do your justice, right? You know, I need a scorecard to keep that logic straight. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was, it was kind of crazy. You want me to engage in anarchy so right. you can engage in anarchy to fight a law that you want overturned right. uh, democratically. Right. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, you know, I mean, Dennis Prager once says this, you know, you can always test whether or not your idea is a good one. Uh, in terms of whether you should do X, uh, by simply asking, well, what if everyone did that? Yeah. Right. And if the answer is, well, that'd be mayhem and it would be terrible. Yeah. Then perhaps you shouldn't do that. Then you should probably should, probably should not do that. Yeah. Um, so. I, I loved it when he made that argument over urinating in public. That was that was right. just the most because the imagery of a hundred million people. Yeah. Everyone at does the same it. time doing it. Was, yeah, do it when you feel like it. Yeah. Uh, you know, certainly it would be just very unsanitary, goes without saying. And right. then also unseemly from a looks, you know, the depth of the children's point of view. And then the, uh, it's just, just wrong all around. It's all, it's, it's yeah. everything about it is wrong. And, um, and that's what uh, a lot of people, they, they, they do these things. They think they're doing God's work and they never think, you know, this could be applied against us. You know, what if the conservatives, you know, uh, you know, ran in and, and refused to allow, I mean, we're, you know, a lot of us are very strongly against abortion, right? I mean, that's a very big issue for a lot of people. They, they feel, truly they feel this is a violation of God's uh, commandments. And, uh, and they might be right. And I certainly respect them. Let's put it that way. And if ever there was a cause to go in and stop somebody, some legislative body from voting in favor of a woman's, you know, so-called right to choose, that would be it. Right? You'd expect a bunch of conservatives to storm that legislative house and say, "Stop uh, the murder! Stop the, stop stop the murdering! The stop the yeah. murder!" Or shout them down if there's a if it's a it's a voice, voice uh, vote. vote. Yeah. Uh, but if if that happened, of course the liberals would say, "Look at these monstrous tea, par- tea baggers." Yeah. Um, it, 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 it would. I mean, the, the irony, not the irony, the the hypocrisy is so dripping. Yeah, uh, I also think you can make the argument on even a, uh, a more narrow basis on, on the same issue in this, which is we are both conservatives. We are both as against abortion as one against abortion could be. Mm-hmm. But I would not necessarily want women charged with murder and put on death row for getting an abortion. Agreed. Uh, unless it was an extremely egregious uh, situation, potentially. You know, uh, In other words, yes, it is a murder, but... It, it, you know, just to be fair to the pro-choice side, there are some mitigating circumstances that make it not O.J. Nicole. There's a difference. You know? There's a difference between criminalizing it and uh, and applauding it. Right. There's there's somewhere in between. Yeah, and, and just because it's criminalized does not mean it has to be a death penalty case. Right. Uh, and but I think it could be fine. It, it could be a fine. Right. It could be. Uh, I mean, but we as a society need to express ourselves that 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 even. The, the voiceless, the unborn, so to speak, 
um, they have a they should have a voice. Yeah. Well, my point is just procedurally with the law. So if, yeah. as conservatives, we saw. Let's just say for argument's sake, that California had the exact opposite of, of what it had now. An extremely staunchly, socially conservative governor, super majorities in both state houses of social conservatives, and they started engaging in radical social conservative, that was conservatism in, in law, not in philosophy, right. but in law, that even turned us off in some ways, you know, banning adult magazines, uh, making possession of, of a copy of Playboy, a year in jail, mandatory. I would uh, want that those laws to at least be questioned before put into practice. Right. In other words, liberals should want should want to stop anarchy and lawlessness and procedural and and want legal procedural challenges on uh, legal procedures within lawmaking to be clean as possible so that when those when they have uh, people in government they don't like uh, they're they're yeah, not but, have but, things rammed through well there but there too. you have it now we come full circle as we close this segment uh, we come full circle because. Uh, that assumes that that people have that those people on that on that side of the coin, uh, that side of the political spectrum, see th- see consequences that that they see the next step, and we, we we were not even joking around. We were noticing ourselves that they're not even noticing what the reality is of the decisions that came down today. They're declaring victory, but they clearly haven't uh, thought it through. Yeah, uh, they they want to see what they want to see. And that's that's a microcosm of a much larger picture about the way that liberals view the world, isn't it? Yes. Uh, you know, what's good for the goose is not good for the gander. Uh, it's okay if they uh, subdue, sorry, they, if they exploit uh, legal process or undermine legal process. It's not okay if other people uh, undermine legal process. Uh, they'll vote all sorts of crazy procedures now for purposes of when it benefits them and when if the reverse were true, somehow there are more conservatives in, in, in uh, the state legislature. They would do everything they could to not honor that pr- procedure. So that's where, that's the world we live in. And uh, the, the two decisions regarding uh, same-sex marriage today reflect that to some extent. Um, anyway, this has been a pleasure talking about it's very interesting uh, days today from the Supreme Court. This is Barack Lurie, and this is Lurie Law. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. With no music taking us out. Bye, everyone.